Cameron. Hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yourself? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, we're talking about um, chapter... Uh, oh, what numbers is this? Uh, I don't think they have numbers. It says Article 7 is what it says here. Okay. Um, Article 7 by J Christopher James Blythe, entitled... Was Jesus married? Was Jesus married? Happy holidays. We feel we said last time we thought this was a good uh, Christmas episode. Yeah, there's no article on his birth, and so why not marriage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, important life events. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Big events in the life of Jesus. <laughs> episode two, marriage. So I had two feelings that I want to grapple with okay. here with you as we talk about this um, topic. Right. The first is I want to I want to figure out why I don't care so much about this topic. Okay. Okay. And the second one is I want to figure out why I'm like a little nervous about it, right? That's the one I'm interested in. <laughs> it doesn't seem worth being nervous about, honestly. It really doesn't. But for some reason, there's, there's some feeling of taboo on this subject in the same way, maybe even stronger than how I used to feel about Heavenly Mother. Do you think you're just leery of things that seem factual but we don't have good information on i think it's more stuff that i heard about as a kid okay. right which well, i'm is, excited to hear what you heard well just that you know when this topic came up it was usually you know not hushed over is the wrong word because that sounds has a negative connotation but it's more like yeah we don't know if jesus was married um and it's kind of his business <laughs> <laughs> and some people were i remember hearing from some people that um, just in the same way that we don't know about Heavenly Mother, it must be because Heavenly Father is keeping her private, uh -huh. right? <laughs> it's the same thing with um, Jesus and a putative wife, which would be keeping her, you know, if he's not, if mm. she's not talked about in the scriptures, there's the a reason for it. same kind of pedestalism. Yeah, kind of pedestalism. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's a good approach to it. When in reality, everybody wants to know about Heavenly Mother because she's so cool and important and important and everybody if jesus was married everybody would want to know about that it. would be interesting that to would know. be really really interesting maybe it's because we'd rather not know if joseph smith was married and so that we can at least <laughs> at least not know if jesus was married <laughs> well are you talking about multiple marriages now yeah <laughs> um uh, okay holy grail holy blood was a book oh geez <laughs> that was made let's just jump in okay <laughs> that was written by michael um, Bajant, Richard Lay, and Henry Lincoln, and published in 1982 um, um, in London as an unofficial follow-up to three BBC2 documentaries Yeah, about just fantastic conspiracy theories. Yes. Just, just the absolute best. Speaking of, can you believe that it's almost next year to be 20 years since Da Vinci Code came out? I did not know that, which is, of course, the kind of follow-up. Da Vinci Code is based heavily on this book. Yes. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I wasn't cognizant of publishing when those original books came out, but yeah. Da Vinci Code was a big deal. It was a big deal. It's like one of the biggest zeitgeists I've missed out on. Uh-huh. Why? Um, Why'd you miss out on it? Because I didn't read the book. Yeah, and I can't remember if I read the book, but I definitely saw the movie. Yeah, I didn't see the movie either. Uh huh. But I, I, I don't think I don't think missing out on a zeitgeist is something you should be proud of. So I'm not claiming that I'm better than other people because I haven't <laughs> read or watched Da Vinci Code. But I, I do wonder, like I do feel that that and not having seen Titanic are probably the two biggest zeitgeists I've missed out on. Um, I don't know which is worse, but now they're both over 20 years old, so I feel like. 
Oh, well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're fine. I mean, I actually thought it was a pretty good movie when I saw it as uh-huh. a kid. I'm a big fan of the... Um, Acra- as a kid, it was 2006. Oh, like shush 30. you. Shush. <laughs> shush. You and your... You and your... My math. It's called math. You and your math. <laughs> so, I actually really liked it. I've always been a fan of the Assassin's Creed series. Uh-huh. Do you know that Is that series? Knights Templar stuff too? Yes, and I have a great story about it. I'm okay. going to tell it because this is a short episode and we yeah. don't... <laughs> we're looking for things to say. <laughs> we could end this episode by saying, I don't know, maybe he was married, maybe he wasn't. No, I have a couple other things to say. Okay. I have an anecdote and I have um, a turn. Okay, so perfect. Um, so Assassin's Creed, it's, perfect. it's a perfect analogy here. I can't remember if it actually goes into the whole... Um, conspiracy of the priory of scion yes okay which is um the secret society that is described in the book the holy ba- the holy blood and the holy grail which this is like the throne of france thing and there are these you know this lineage of jesus that came through it and all this stuff and it's just excellent uh-huh <laughs> just Excellent. <laughs> well, should we should we talk about? But wait, wait, no. Assassin's oh, okay. Creed. Okay, okay. So you're I'm not pl- done. That wasn't I'm, it. That wasn't it. That was just the an intro. The Assassin's okay. Creed. We're just is, getting started. Yeah, we're now an Assassin's Creed podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm playing it with my kids. All right, okay. because Assassin's Creed is this beautiful architectural like landscape where you climb around on buildings and you jump from place to place uh-huh. and you leap off of things and land in hay bales and it's mm-hmm. beautiful. And my kids at that time were like five and. So two or like no more like more like seven and four. Okay, but I was being very careful not to kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then I accidentally jumped off a building and stabbed a guy right through the face. Oh, right, uh-huh. just just annihilated this guy <laughs> right in this most vicious and brutal takedown yeah. of another human being. Right, and you know, and that's the X button in that game. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> annihilate. annihilate a human being is the X button. And um, my kids, of course, are like, Daddy, what did you do to that guy? And they were never the same. And then we never play. And then I didn't play that game in front of them anymore. Amazing. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure how to segue away from that. Uh, should we talk about the idea, like, should we talk about Jesus' actual marriage? Or how about I share my anecdote first, and then we'll talk about the marriage itself. Oh, we're just going to hand wave away this entire conspiracy theory, right? It's mostly nonsense? Yes, and I can tell you why it's nonsense. Go ahead. Mathematics. So so you've seen you've seen a family tree, Aaron. And you know that according to your family tree, you are the endpoint of all human evolution. Yeah, everybody's right? playing right to me. Right. Like, after there took two people to get to you and four people to, to get to them and eight people to get to those people who led to the four people, led to the two people who eventually led to you. And if you sort of look at the family tree as the way we're taught it in primary, um, we are the endpoint of something that goes outwards towards infinity, two times two times two times two ad infinitum, um, which is obvious nonsense, right? That's not going to work. Eventually, um, all the family trees start connecting. And um, although people who study this sort of thing disagree on when our last common ancestor was, essentially, probably anyone who was alive at Jesus' time, who has any descendants alive today, everyone on earth is a descendant of that person. I've heard that there are some, like, dead ends to this theory. Because uh, uh-huh. where you would have, like, a remote population, and you're probably not 
connected maybe much um so maybe uh but maybe i'm wrong but, about that well i mean it's it's this is a difficult thing to prove with absoluteness, right? You know, land bridges and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, 2,000 years ago isn't that long ago compared to, like, Native American people. Right. So, um, but it only takes, like, one person with a common ancestor to interbreed with somebody else with a common ancestor, and that's humans or animals. Yeah. They're interbreeding. Yeah. Every time a ship goes into port, there's a baby born. Yeah. Um, so, it, this is, I'm going to quote from the Wikipedia article, Identical Ancestors Point. Yeah. So, in a 2003 simulation... Um, and according to this version, like the, and the point where we all share a common ancestor was more like 7,000 years ago. So different maths, mm -hmm. who knows what's right. But, um, according to this, a Japanese person today gets 88.4% of their ancestry from Japan. Most of the remainder from China and Korea with 0.00049% traceable to Norway. Oh, interesting. Um, whereas a modern-day Norwegian who gets 92% of their ancestry from Norway, 96% from Scandinavia, has only 0.00044% from Japan, but they're still related. They're not nothing. So in other words, if Jesus has a living descendant, yeah. we're more or less all his living descendants. Yeah. Which, oh, this is a totally different, totally have, different topic. I have a question about this, okay. and it might be the same one. Is it about tribes of Israel? No. Okay, then let me say mine real fast. What's fascinating about this is means if there is anyone who's descendant of Ephraim in the world today, we are all descendants of Ephraim. Mm. And so it gets to patriarchal blessings and basically like we are all descended from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, like, or none of us are. Yeah. And so patriarchal blessings aren't like, it, it changes the manner of like what we mean by adoption in a way. Yeah. Anyway, that's a different episode probably. What's your question? My question was dumber. Oh, let's have it. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I'm going to save it for later. Okay. <laughs> um, the article, you have an antidote. What, does it, you, you were going to use it to kind of introduce the, the, the main topic of the article. Kind of. Um, so when I was a youth, I'm probably like 16 or 17 at this point. Let's mm -hmm. say it's 1993. Um, we're in Bakersfield which is where, um, I don't live in Bakersfield, but that's where my stake is centered. And the yearly, I think it's yearly, anyway, the, the youth conference that the stake puts on, the big one where like people stay overnight, and did you do those? Oh, yeah. In the 90s? Um, anyway, so spending the night at, I think, the stake president's house in me and my friend in Bakersfield. And um, the next day, there's three speakers from EFY who've come. Um, the, the keynote, the big, the big name is John, by the way, and I forget the names of the other two, a man and a woman. So there are three of them total who were hired by the stake to do their EFY shtick at youth conference. Stands for, for especially for, stake. especially for youth. Yes. Especially for youth, which is just, you know, nice speeches to help kids be good kids, good, good Mormons. Um, anyway, so the middle speaker is the woman and, um, and she's given her, I don't remember anything else about what her speech is about, but um, it's something about, presumably about how J Jesus has been through what you've been through and he understands everything and, and so forth. And then she, she like, she, um, she goes from her very polished, professional uh, speech, because that's what they are. They're professional speakers, right? They get paid to preach. Mm -hmm. A little preach crafty, one might argue, but that's a different episode also. Um, anyway, she, they were very good. Um, I like the speeches, but she goes from her super polished speech and all of a sudden like her demeanor like totally breaks for one sentence as she says, and for me, um, 
I don't remember word for word, but for me, like, it matters to me that he knows what it's like to be 30 and single. Um, <laughs> and so, so for the next, like, decade or two, to me, it was uh, practically an article of faith that if Jesus couldn't have been married or else her speech couldn't be true. <laughs> um, there's a big flaw with her argument yeah. in that Jesus doesn't literally live in 33 years all the things that we believe that he is capable of understanding. Yeah. So, so it's a flawed, it's a flawed argument, uh, but it was very persuasive to me because her, um, her emotional holding on to Jesus being single at 30 was, um, like it was the most powerful thing of the weekend. Um, Mm. even though I no longer think that's important. Mm. Um, but it does, but it does tie into what my turn is later. So I'm, I'm going to return to this later when we talk about the article itself, but, um, but I just want to throw that out there as a starting point. Okay. Um, Parley P. Pratt, Orson Hyde? Orson Hyde is in the article. Um, these are some of the people that professed strong belief mm-hmm. in um, Christ being married. Yes. In, um, in the early church. And some would cynically argue that the reason they did that is was to, they even argued, you know, multiple wives <laughs> right because he had would, to set us a proper example and some would set would argue that, that it was to justify their own polygamy yeah and um and that's this is maybe one of the reasons i think why i'm nervous about this well because this topic. mantle gets taken up this gets taken up by post manifesto polygamists uh-huh. who even go so far as to name all of jesus's wives who uh for those of you taking notes are Martha, Mary, Phoebe, Sarah, Rebecca, Josephine, Mary Magdalene, and Mary Martha's sister. This is actually something I didn't know about at all. And I thought this was one of the most interesting parts. That Jesus was a polygamist? No, this I'd heard before, and I've never known what to do with. The fact that fundamentalist Mormons, you know, not members Mm -hmm. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but that are members of other offshoots or branches, right, who are, who remain polygamists to this day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right? I'm not making that up, am I? No, of course. Yeah, they're okay. out there. <laughs> so this is one of their tenets and foundational. Important to, the, to them. To yeah. their belief. Or Something at least according that, to this guy. I mean, his revelations from like the 1930s. So I don't know this how one, much. Let's name this guy. Lawrence C. Woolley. Yeah. One of, the, um, fa- one of the founders of some of these offshoots. And again, I just think it's interesting. And maybe this goes back to my point as to why does this matter? If we don't, if we literally don't know something, yeah, then why? And and in this case, whether or not he was married doesn't or it's to not people, salvific. It's not salvific. Yes. Yeah. And unlike some of our previous discussions this year, where that question motivates conversation about doctrine. And even behavior, yeah. I just don't see it here. But maybe that's because I'm not a fundamentalist Mormon. <laughs> yeah, I, that could be. I really didn't think we were going to do this one. Yeah. Um, it made sense for Christmas since we had time to do a Christmas episode. It was the closest thing to. <laughs> we were really stretching for Christmas. Um, but yeah, ultimately, um, I don't care, and I feel bad saying that because uh, Christopher James Blythe. Um, I know him. Oh, you do. Um, I was going to bring his book with me, but I couldn't find it this morning. I moved it from one pile of books to another pile of books. And it's about, it's called Terrible Revolution, I think. Um, It'll be in the show notes. But it's about 
the apocalypse in Latter-day Saint thought. Mm. And by apocalypse, I mean end of the world kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, specifically, I haven't read the whole thing. I've just like the first 70 pages or something. Essentially, there were two branches of apocalyptic revelations. One was from church leadership and one was from the laity. It was very common for lay members to have visions and dreams about how the world would end. And both were an accepted part of LDS culture. Leadership stopped doing that before members stopped doing that. But now it's reached a point where we just don't talk anymore, kind of like Jesus being married, which gets to one of the, um, the turn that I was talking about. To me, what ends up being most interesting about this article is... Which was a great article, I should say. It was, no, like I'm not knocking, we're not knocking the article. The yeah. article was interesting, it's just we don't have much to say about it. Yeah. Um, then what becomes interesting about the article is something that we've noticed in a lot of the articles that we've read, um, which is to say there's a split between the first couple generations of the church and where we are now. Oh, good, and exactly where the split happens varies according to the quote doctrine unquote and when it stops being important and why it stops being important. It has a lot to do with what's going on around us um, in, the, in the broader culture. But this is a trend we're noticing and that something that was important to early members of the church is less important to us. And this is really interesting to me because one of the not not one of the like really explicit main themes of our show, but an undercurrent of our show that comes up again and again is this idea that it is good for Mormonism to be weird, for us to lean into what makes us different from other Christian faiths. Yeah. Uh, and yet there are these things which 100, 150 years ago would have qualified, which aren't important to us. And so at what point have we lost so much uniqueness that we don't that we cease to be ourselves. We haven't reached that point yet. No. Uh, I think there are reasons to be concerned that the church is headed that direction in terms of becoming a sort of a boring Protestant generic faith. And, re and reasons to be happy about it going in the other direction. Right, yeah, it's, it's complicated. We don't want to oversimplify. But I don't really want to care about whether Jesus is married or not. I don't want that to be important, but perhaps canary in the coal mine sort of thinking applies and that if we stop caring about things like that, like, where do we stop? Stop caring. Wait, does that make sense? Yeah. But I got some triple negatives in there. But. Wherever the line is, yeah. I think this is an okay place. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I agree. On the other side of the line. I agree, but I think it's also the sort of thing we'll only be able to see after it's over. But so why do I think that? The reason I think that is because whether, I mean, is because we know that marriage is an important part of the plan of salvation. Yeah. Right? But we also know that the timing of marriage is very different person to person. Right? Mm hmm And what, so in that case, it really doesn't matter to Jesus' salvation, as it were, <laughs> whether, whether it happened then or, or later. Right? Yeah. And, um, and maybe that's, maybe that's Okay. Yeah, as you said, it's just kind of an it's it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, if you've never heard about this before, um, I can easily see it being very fascinating to you. If you want to have some fun, mm -hmm. go read the Wikipedia article on the oh Holy boy. Blood and the Holy Grail. <laughs> oh, I, bet, I bet that's intense. Let's read the Church's official statement on this doctrine, just so that we have it stated. Okay. All right, sock it to me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a press release that cited 
by um, the main article from today. And this is from KSL News, and it was around the time when The Da Vinci Code came out. And it says, A movie based on the novel The Da Vinci Code is sparking controversy among religious groups. Today, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints issued a statement on the movie's plotline. Okay? I remember this. The belief, Here's the statement. The belief that Christ was married has never been official church doctrine. And I think that word never is really interesting. Okay? Because what does that mean? Go back to the first episode of this season and uh, doctrine. we'll get right into that. But... Yeah. It is neither sanctioned nor taught by the church. While it is true that a few church leaders in the mid-1800s expressed their opinions on the matter, it was not then and it is not now church doctrine. Now, when you read these, when you read these quotes, they, they don't really sound like they an expression do not of sound opinion. like expressions of opinions. <laughs> they sound like like what kind of dummy could disagree with this? <laughs> but uh, but fine. <laughs> yeah, and I, in fact, it gets to the point where members of the church are prophesying that other members of the church are direct descendants of Jesus through his wife. Yeah, right. Which I've already established is true. You, which you've already yeah, established. Like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> so maybe that was just tautological and a safe prophecy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am a descendant of Christ because you are a descendant of Christ. Okay. All right. Here's my dumb question. All right. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. One of the reasons that is that Christ is able to do what he does yes. in the atonement yes. is because he's the son of God. Gotcha. Oh, this is like this is like a Greek mythology question that's coming at us. Wouldn't any sons and daughters of Christ be demigods? Or that no, whatever like quarter quarter gods. Hemigods. And demi and hemi mean the same thing. What is what is what is quarter in Greek? I don't know. Oh, but we're gonna Google this. A vicus god. A vicus god. I love that. Mm-hmm. A mortal parent and one semi-divine parent. Okay, and this is from HerculesZenaFandom.wiki. <laughs> <laughs> Where we go to for all our Greek questions. <laughs> um, actually, Wiki, I think and there's another article that says they would be called also just a demigod. But it's a real, I mean, it is a real part of our understanding of the atonement, right? The, yeah. su- the suffering that Christ went through on the cross would be unbearable for somebody who didn't have a divine parentage. So, anyway, this is my dumb question, right? If Christ did have kids, this divinity persisted into this into this bloodline. And isn't that interesting? Uh, well, I think that's the whole Da Vinci Code, la 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 yay. I could see why writing a novel on it would be fun. Yeah, delightful. <laughs> <laughs> dumb episode thanks for listening everybody <laughs> hey everybody thanks for playing oh well let's pick something by the way really apologies to brother Blythe um, who is who did like wrote a really cool thing for Ferianta um, about haunted Navu. we'll put that in the show notes too okay. um, his book I've had a hard time reading it because it's a little more scholarly than I feel like reading late at night when I'm tired and so I've had a hard time getting through it uh, but the topic is fascinating. Um, it's published by Oxford, so it's, it's you know, very, very good because of... <laughs> um, Oxford's actually publishing a lot of Mormon stuff now, so... I say apologies to Oxford, too. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're great. Um, they're, 
they're great. And uh, I just found out that their their brief introduction series is that what it's called? Anyway, the first one was on Vardis Fisher. The second one's on Eugene England, like major thinkers in Mormon thought. They're doing a series of short books about big thinkers in Mormon thought. You can find us on the Dialogue Podcasting Network, and you can follow me at Aaron Brewster. I'm at Thmazing. And our music is done by Daniel Foster Smith. Oh, and you know, not only, Aaron, are we a, a proud, fully functional member of the Dialogue Podcast family, <laughs> but uh, we were shouted out on the last episode of Dialogue Book Club. Okay. So uh, thanks. Excellent. Thanks to the Dialogue Book Club for thinking of us. We're thinking of you. Um, yeah. We just plugged the book, right? Oh. Christopher James Wise's book. That's right. And also, um, if you'll follow the show notes to the link, the BYU articles for this season, yes. there's like a database error right now. Yeah, it's so been going on for days. We'll link to the PDF directly from a, an, a, an archive. A scholar archive that BYU also runs and goes down less frequently. <laughs> oh, and join our Discord server. Yeah, please do. Um, it could be more interesting if you were there. Yeah. Okay, that's it. All right, bye. Bye. silly episode.